Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. drink, 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 drink. Welcome to Drinking Bros. As you know, from time to time, our good buddy Bert Kuntz often joins us on the show. He has not been with us for the past few weeks dealing with the death of his father, actually. Um, a bunch of you have reached out to us through Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram to express your condolences, and um, we're all extremely grateful. I wanted to take an opportunity to sit down with Bert and uh, talk about what his father meant to him and what it's like losing your father. We get a lot of messages regarding this subject a lot, Partially because, you know, we're at the age now where uh, uh, our, our main demographic for the show is, is between 24 and 45. Um, and that's right around the age where you start losing your parents, be it a father or a mother. Um, and it is an extremely significant and profound moment in your life. And it's not often somebody is willing to sit down and talk about it. Uh, especially as a as a guy, um, we tend to internalize our feelings and all of that stuff. And uh, I, I called Bert and I said, I think this would be really important to talk to the audience about if you would be willing and open to do it. And luckily he was. So on a Sunday afternoon, we got to to sit down and and just chat about uh, Bert's father uh, for for a little more than an hour and uh it meant the world to me and and Bert's father meant the world to him uh, but first we got some sponsors who who pay for the show to be on the air so we're going to get to them first and then we're going to get to the interview with uh with Bert Kuntz about his father first and foremost is blackriflecoffee.com black rifle coffee is the 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 best company there is in the united states um not just because my 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 best friends make it, uh, I genuinely believe it, and I, I, I drink this shit every day. Um, it gets delivered to my house through the coffee club of the month uh, on the same date of every month, so I know what I'm getting and I know how I'm getting it. Uh, big fan, sign up for Black Rifle Coffee. They've also got some new T-shirts and hats available, uh, and their apparel is second to none. Use the one-time promo code Drinking Bros for twenty percent off. And uh, enjoy the Coffee Club of the Month because it's, it's, it's the best there is. Uh, next up, we've got StrikeForceEnergy.com. Strikeforce Energy has been our day one homie. You know them since the beginning. they got four amazing flavors. they got original. they got lemon. they got orange. They've got Make America Grape Again. They come in 10 packs, 40 packs, and they got 750 milliliter bottles that rest on your countertop or bar top. And you can just boom, boom, pop a couple squirts in and go. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. They also have a subscription of the month club there. And uh, give it a go. They ship everywhere in the entire world. Use the promo code DRINKINGBROS for 20% off. And that's good all the time. Uh, no matter where you are in the world, that promo code will always ring true. Drinking Bros for 20% off of StrikeForceEnergy.com. Next up, we've got GhostBed.com. Sleep so good, it's scary. 
Ghostbed is is bringing the thunder these days. Their their Craftmatic uh, adjustable bed is is now out. It requires no building either. Same as the mattress. You order the mattress. You order the the Craftmatic element to it. Comes straight to your house. You can just pop it up and you're good to go. I don't know how the fuck they did it, but they did, and uh, it's incredible. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Um, the promo code there is is drinking bros. But it'll also give you the best deal of the day. Um, usually their deals are, are, are fuck better than it used to be like $50 off and two free pillows, which is fucking amazing. But now, I mean, they're giving away deals of like two to $400 off. Um, so go to, go to, drink, uh, go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Type it in. Get the deal. They got a new mattress, too. That's uh, uh, a cool mattress. It's about 15 degrees cooler. In case your wife is jacking up the thermostat on you, um, it's a it's a great fucking deal, and they have a pay as you go plan, so you're not you're not busting your nut all at once. You're getting very very short intermittent nuts to get your mattress. Ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros will give you the best sleep of your life. Uh, next up is grill your ass off. Grill your ass off. I, a lot of people have been hitting us up saying, dude, we get this, we get the seasonings, man. Ass eating season's over. It's grilling season. It's grilling season to get back out there. Um, I, I look, I love all of their seasonings, but I got to say this. They just started selling jerky maybe like two or three weeks ago, beef jerky, and it is fucking phenomenal. Um, it comes in four amazing flavors. Uh, it's like $6.99 a bag. Uh, or like twenty five bucks for all four, um, but it's it, it is the the best. Um, big big fan of their beef jerky. I would highly go there. They also have a subscription in the month club. Um, their beef jerky sold out after that last show. Fuck man, I think it sold out in like a day. Um, everybody's loving it. So they're they're restocked. They're back up and going. Buy their beef jerky. It is fucking fantastic. Uh, Grill your ass off is a veteran owned company as well, and. Uh, I really, really dig what those guys are doing, and I use their fucking seasonings um, around the house when I'm when I'm, I'm cooking and my wife is cooking. And a uh, big fan of Grill Your Ass Off. Use the promo code Drinking Bros for fifteen percent off. Um, fantastic company, fantastic uh, dude that runs it. Um, big fan of, uh, of of their whole shit. Um, next up, we've got GrenadeSoap.com. Grenade Soap is back. Um, they look, they, they were with us last year. They're back again now. Um, they're, they're making bathing products that are fucking awesome. Their, their grenade soap, their soap is one of my fucking favorites of all time. I I use that shit all the time. It's got real gunpowder in it. Um, that's, that's no lie. It's, uh, it it looks like a grenade. Uh, it's got a, a nice little, little rope on it. Um, it's nice little soap on the rope for the shower and it smells delicious. Like, I, I don't know what the fuck. They put in it besides the gunpowder, but uh, it smells delicious. Um, they got all kinds of of uh, bathing products for a dude. They've even got the taint scrubber. The taint scrubber's back. Um, if you're if you don't like washing your dirty asshole with a bar of soap, use their taint scrubber. Um, it's it's a nice man man hand to uh, to really get yourself clean. Use the promo code Drinking Bros for uh, I believe it's fifteen percent off for twenty. I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, go, go to grenadesoap.com. Check out all their products, type in the promo code and see what you're saving with drinking bros. Uh, last but not least, we've got the Caillou app. Uh, that's K A Y U. This is free. 
Um, you can download it on your your iPhone, Android, whatever. With uh, with Facebook going down in flames these days, and everybody looking for new social media apps, uh, this is this is one to to look out for. These these guys who created it are are uh, two Green Berets out of Fort Bragg. Um, we're actually going to do a live show with them, the Caillou app, uh, May twelfth in uh, in Fort Bragg. And uh, big fan of these guys. It, it look, it's hard to get into the app world. They're they're trying it, um, and uh, and God bless them for it. It's it's an app that combines travel, lodging, and kind of kind of like Tinder too. You can see the people, you can fuck the people. You can choose if you want to stay with them, go shooting with them, uh, split a concert or a cruise, anything, all of the above. And they they rate the humans, which is awesome. So that way you can see who you're fucking partying with or not partying with. Uh, which is great. So it's it's Caillou, K-A-Y-U. Download it. It is for free on all devices. No strings attached. No promo code. Just check it out. Tell us what you think. Uh, now that the, the sponsors are done, um, here is the one-on-one interview with uh, Bert Kuntz. And uh, I am unbelievably grateful that he sat down and, di- and did this. Um, I hope it's, uh, it helps you. I, I know it's uh, it helped me. And... Um, uh, can't say enough kind words about bird coots. I wish that I wish that I could float, I could float, float up from the ground. I will never know, know what that's like. How are you, buddy? Doing good, Ross. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. It's uh, it's a Sunday afternoon. It's nice to spend a Sunday afternoon with with one of my beef fries. Yeah, it's good. It's been a while. I've been off the uh, Drinking Bros uh, radar for a little while, kind of sorting some things out uh, personally. Good stuff. But uh, I got to come over to JT's new apartment in San Antonio, and he took me down to get trailer french toast off a trailer right in the farmer's market about five feet from his front door it's pretty you're cool. kidding how was it no it was good i actually put a uh, story of it on my instagram because it was i mean it's like three and a half inch texas toast with about eight thousand calories of whipped cream on top oh homemade, boy homemade that sounds cream. delightful and right up jared's alley i'm surprised he didn't take you to a gas station by his new place he didn't. We actually uh, sat down and ate breakfast at another place. The French toast was like a dessert because that's how JT rolls. I finish <laughs> eating my meal and he's like, you know, you can get takeaway French toast like seven feet from my front door. He's like, fucking, I'm in. I'm in. Wow. Wow. How was is, how is JT's new place? You haven't been to it yet, have you? I was actually here a couple weeks ago and it is it is perfect. I won't say where it's at because I don't want a bunch of fucking weirdos pushing their, putting their boobies up against his windows in the middle of the night and putting bags of poop on his front door, but uh, it's nice. It is in the nicest part of San Antonio. You actually feel like you're in a completely different world. He's in really? this little kind of cool area, San Antonio, that li- that literally feels like, I mean, you'd actually, when you get here, you'll love it, man. It's it's sweet. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, why don't you tell the audience where you've been and, and why? So... The two things we've been working on Bison Union and and have been traveling back and forth a lot. We're about ready to open a store in Cody, Wyoming, and also in Sheridan, Wyoming. We're going to partner with a, a company called Surf Wyoming to open actual storefronts that are opening here in the next few weeks. 
Oh, that's awesome. And then the other one is uh, why you and I had started talking about this week, and I think that's what you know what we're talking about here on the podcast is uh, my dad passed away unexpectedly a couple weeks ago. So it was it was out of the blue and shouldn't have happened so soon, but it did. So that's one of those things that you just don't expect to happen. And, and uh, I've been out of the military for a long time, so I've kind of been away from that kind of tragedy in my life and uh it kind of hit me by uh hit me by surprise to say the least yeah i i i can imagine i lost uh i lost my biological father in uh 2010 and that's kind of why i wanted to sit down and and talk to you today and do this one-on-one interview with you A, a lot of the questions uh that we get in our drinking bros inbox on facebook are Hi, I, I want to nominate my father for Drinking Bro of the Week because he recently passed away. Um, as a man and as men, I think we're conditioned and, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, to kind of compartmentalize and maybe not speak out so much about what it means to lose your father. And I, I, I called you right after I'd, I'd heard the news and uh, and I asked you if, if you would be so kind as to sit down and talk about it. And I, I just figured it would help a lot of people who are going through the same thing because it, it will happen at some point in your life. And chances are it is going to happen un- unexpectedly. Um, it happened to you and it, and it happened to me. Uh, where were you when you found out the news? It was actually you know, it was kind of weird. Uh, I actually had just left the house. Candace and I were at home and... I ran to the store and it was, I'm guessing it was probably 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I got a call, I got a text from my mom and I was driving in my truck and we live up in the mountains so I couldn't call her back. And she said, give me a call when you get a chance, need to talk. And then, you know, I didn't call her back and I went to the store and then I was driving back from the store and she's like, I really need to talk to you. And I ended up calling her and it was just the last thing I would have expected. My parents had been divorced for a while. So, uh, my mom calling me and, and telling me that it was, it just, it just, again, I don't think anybody's prepared for it unless you know that it's a process that's coming like a terminal illness or something like that. I just, you can't prepare for that moment, especially, especially with a, a dad, like my dad to me was a superhero. Like my dad smoked two packs of cigarettes for 50 years. The guy never went to the doctor. Like he went to the doctor two times, I think in his, or three times in his whole life. One time he burned his arm pretty bad. Uh, working in the garage and the other two times were for heart attacks. So he was just that guy. And, you know, his first heart attack was at 45. He smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, worked a hundred hours a week, his entire, you know, adult life. And even having heart attacks and stuff, like my dad had a heart attack and three weeks later he was back working like full, you know, full on work and doing stuff. So it was, for me, it was like, man, you know, you just, I don't know, most guys out there, I think, probably look at their dads, especially in America, look at their dads, and your dad's invincible. Like, your dad can do no wrong for most people. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but it was for me. So. Yeah, it's, I, I think, it, you know, it is for, if you have a close relationship with your father, I, I think it, it is that. Um, where, you know, everybody puts their dad on a pedestal and they can do no wrong. Um, there's, a, there's a few times in life with your father where you know th- that mean a lot uh you know obviously when your father passes um i, I think the first time you see your dad cry I-, I don't know if you've ever seen your father cry um i've seen my dad cry maybe once or twice um that was a big deal and then uh you know usually 
at some form of pride over an accomplishment you've had as a, a son to to your father. Um, how old was he when he passed? He was uh, he was seventy two, and it's kind of a funny story. I did see my dad cry once, and it was it was right after I got my green beret, and it was kind of funny because. It was tears of happiness for him, and he cried. And then he's he literally looked at me and he said, "God, I thought you'd be in. I thought you'd be dead or in prison by now. I can't believe you got a green beret." But and that's a, <laughs> and that's the kind of that's the kind of guy my dad was. And and I think part of that was true. You know, I got a GED. I hated school. I was not a good student. And it's not that I wasn't smart enough to be at school. I just fucking hated going to school. I wanted to be outside shooting, shooting guns or riding dirt bikes or doing anything, you know, I just wasn't a school guy. So when my dad saw me, you know, finally get a green beret and was at the graduation, that was it. And it was just kind of a couple tears and he wiped his eyes away and he said, man, I can't believe you, you did this. I thought you'd be dead or in prison. I'm, I'm How amazing was that so, feeling by the way? It was good. It was really good. My dad was, uh, you know, I think in one thing like the, the drinking bros, I've been following a lot and for, for the drinking bros that don't see me a lot, you know, I'm not officially, you know, I, I, I'm kind of a sideshow act for you guys in, in a sense that you have your four core guys that you guys started this, but I, I'm a huge voyeur of, of drinking bros. I watch the Facebook page daily. I watch the Instagrams. I watch everything. And I think, you know, this hit home when you asked me to do the drinking bros thing, because I think there's some younger drinking bros on here, both guys and girls. But I think most of the drinking bros, as I watch this, are probably like 35 to 45 years old or 30 to 45. You know, I don't know. You'd know better than I would. But this is not unusual right now to, to have like my father pass away. It's it's become a common occurrence to me. And when my dad passed away, I made a couple posts about it and the amount of people that said, man, my dad passed away a year ago, two years ago, or my dad passed away six months ago. I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of messages, but I think we're just, as a group, we're kind of at that age. You know, everybody's kind of 25 to 35 to 45, and our parents are, you know, 50, 60, 70 years old, so. Yeah, our, our demographic for the show is, is 24 to, to 45, and, that, and that, it's in that range of when you, you do start to lose your parents, um, you know, unless you were, you were had at 15 years old. Um, this, this is the range that, that everybody starts to, to, to lose a, you know, a mom or a, or a dad. Um, however, I, I, I found at least nobody really man wise wants to talk about it with, with one another. No. And I, I just, I grew up in that kind of house. My dad was that guy. We talked about everything. You know, my dad was, was about as humble as you can get. And I think you and I were texting back and forth and then we got on a phone call and we're talking and, and. I've only think I think in my whole life I only saw my dad, you know, get upset with a few people. He just wasn't that guy. He never wronged anybody in his life. He started out in downtown Seattle as a stock boy at Sears and and did that typical blue collar, you know, American transition from blue collar to white collar in the automotive industry. He started out as a stock boy, you know, worked his way up to you what, know, what doing city, that. by the way? This was in Seattle. It was downtown okay. Seattle. And this was, Seattle was much different back then. We're talking, you know, Seattle was a blue-collar city. It was a fishing and longshoreman and a blue-collar city. It wasn't the, the tech Seattle you see now it, it, that should probably be burned to the ground but and, and start over again. But 
that's just my opinion, but it's <laughs> a lot of people's but, opinion. But you know, Seattle was different <laughs> back then. It was there was First Ave in downtown, and it was all it was all piers. It was all shipping boats coming in. It was all fishermen going out of the harbor. Like it, it was a different city. So my dad grew up in Portland, not Portland, but uh, Beaverton, Oregon, in the logging areas, and then Seattle. But he started out as a stock boy at Sears, Sears Roebuck and Company. And did that typical route of being, you know, working his way up to assistant store manager, to manager, to regional manager, and then eventually crossed over to a company called Western Auto and did the same thing, regional manager, district manager, regional manager, you know, and then he worked his way up to executive vice president of a company that had, you know, 7,000 stores around the world. Wow. Which was not, and he was not a student, you know, he, he was, he had no college, he had a little tiny bit of college education, a community college for a year, but just worked and he was one of those guys like I said he smoked two packs of cigarettes a day he he ate meat and potatoes and you know he was not a healthy guy I'm 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 actually surprised he lived to be 72 but you know just the quintessential American you know he had four kids by the time he was 25 and he was the manager of a of an automotive store and he was one of those guys you know money was always tight for a long long time and then you know he 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 worked out of that and he, we were never rich or, or extreme, you know, like we never had a lot of money, but he always provided for every one of his kids. And, you know, I found myself, you know, I'm shifting gears here a little bit, but, you know, I find myself doing that now between Candace and I, we own three companies and it's, you know, we work a lot and people see us on Instagram and we're traveling and doing stuff. But that's the thing that hit me the hardest was we're rocking and rolling and have these companies and we're partnering with guys like you guys and, and black rifle and, you know, other companies and we're working a hundred hours a week and doing this. And, and I've become my dad, so to speak, but that lifestyle prevented me from spending more time with my dad. Your, your lifestyle or his mine. Gotcha. You know, my dad's been retired for a long time and was living in Kansas city when he passed, but my lifestyle, it's like, he, you know, I would talk to my dad every other day and it's like, how you doing? What are you doing? I need to come out to, to Salt Lake or you need to come here. And it was, you know, that, that, that's, the, you know, and I'm going through this regret and grieving process in my head now, but it's like, oh, I'm busy. I, I'm doing this or that, or I'm going to Sheridan or I'm going to Texas. And I look back on that now and it's like, man, you know, people ask me, you know, in the last couple of weeks, a lot of people have asked me, hey, what can I do for you? And my first answer is, spend more fucking time with your dad. Like I would give up all three of our companies and every fucking penny I have right now for a week with my dad. Like I really would and start all over again. Like I'd fucking be a fry cook at McDonald's. I'd give it all up right now to have one more week with the guy because I didn't spend enough time with him because I was wrapped up in my own ego and my own company and my own bank account. And it's man, it's, it's a tough one. When was it the last was, time you saw him? Uh, it's, it was about four months, which is way too long. I mean, the guy's a two-hour plane flight away from me, and, and it, it was four months, and I think a lot of people do that. And oddly enough, you know, I won't talk too much about Evan, but, you know, Evan's dad works at Black Rifle, and I've become, I spent more time and have had, I'm closer in the last year with Evan's dad, Ed, than I am with my own dad because I'll see Ed at work and Ed and I have kind of the same personality and Ed's got the exact same personality as my dad. You know, there's just no filter, no bullshit. 
if you if you guys drinking bros ever get a chance to stop by Black Rifle, it's cool seeing Evan and Matt and JT. But if you're there, ask if Ed is there and meet <laughs> Ed for five minutes because you 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 get a, a quintessential unfiltered, real, honest American, which you get with Evan, Matt, and JT too. But if you get a chance to meet Ed, the guy's owned fucking 10 logging companies and construction companies. He's done everything. He ran the largest nuclear facility in in America, like the op side of it. Just a phenomenal human being. And I, you know, I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but I had kind of stayed out of the, the light for about 10 days, just kind of processing this stuff. And the first person I saw when I came back to Black Rifle to, to go to lunch with Candace and say hi to Evan and Matt and JT was Ed. And that's like, it hit me... F- Man, it hit me really fucking hard. I'm not an emotional person. The last time I cried, I was seven years old. My mom ran over my my puppy in the driveway in her van. And that was, you know, I'm just not an emotional person. It was an accident, by the way. Um, but I saw Ed and it was like, whew, where are my sunglasses at? You know, because it's... And Evan texts me, you know, Evan, the kind of guy he is, he's running you know, a 60 to $80 million coffee company this year. And, and Evan said, man, he, you know, when he found out, he texted me and he said, I'll, where do you want to go? I'll, I'll stop what I'm doing for a couple of days. Let's go somewhere. Let's travel somewhere. What do you want to do? How can I help you? And my reply to him was the same. Just spend more fucking time with your dad. Yeah, it's, it's one of those like, things that, uh, you know, everybody says that after, after their father passes away. It's, it's another thing in actually doing it. Um, in my circumstance, like I said, my biological father passed away about eight years ago, and uh, I'm really, really close with my my stepfather. And uh, I did, you know, we did a, a Father's Day episode with him last year. Uh, after my biological father passed, I made a conscious effort to make more time. And uh, you know, I it was his 65th birthday a couple of weeks ago, and I took him to the Masters. Um, I hadn't spent, uh, that much time with him one-on-one in a long time and it was great. And when you got back, we had had this conversation between the two of us and you were like, man, just spend more time with your father. And I was thinking, I was like, man, I I had gone through that. And, you know, luckily I, I sort of have a second chance with my stepfather and, uh, and, and, and I do try to do things like that, um, and uh, and live off of those memories. Your your last time that you spent with your father was it a positive experience? Did you guys have a good time? Oh, it was great. The last time Candace and I were in Kansas City, and we went to his house and went through, you know, all the old all the old picture books and stuff. My dad was a pack rat. You know, he kept everything. He had his navy. He had all of his navy uniforms and everything still in bags and dressed right, dressed hanging in the closet. Like he's just that guy. He's. I, I like that, by the way. I because then because then you can go back and at least see and touch and feel everything that your father did in this life. Like I, I enjoy that. I don't know. Well, if you that's did. it. No, I really did. And in, in all the photos, I mean, like he had photos of everything from our life to his life to, and that stuff's important. You know, I, I'm also. You, you, my last my or my name i'm the th- i'm the third so i carry my grandfather and my great grandfather's name they skip my dad uh so we had all that information and you know like my grandfather was who i have the same name as you know he grew up in again logging areas and in, in washington state at the time was different you know he grew up in a different time white guy in the army and he was an e5 and was given he was given the position 
of being in charge because he was in the Fort Lewis area, which was different name at the time, but he was given the job of being in charge of the first all black uh, army company that had come over west of the Mississippi with the modern day army of, you know, the Vietnam era, the Korea era, that stuff. So just the history of it and, and seeing all these photos that I hadn't seen before. So my last time with my dad was actually great. That's, my, that's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. And then my grandpa went on to be a tax collector in Alaska. You know, people would leave Washington state and take off into Alaska and just skip jump, jump paying taxes. So he would go up there by himself with, you know, a couple of sidearms and a rifle and he literally hunted people down in Alaska to get them to come back, to bring them back to pay their taxes. And not, not like, we're not talking about a thousand bucks. We're talking about people who didn't pay, you know, huge tax fines. And so, you know, just hearing the history and stuff, uh, it was just, it was a good time with my dad. It was a really good time. Did and you he was know in that? The Navy. Did you know that stuff prior to that conversation? No, I knew a little bit about it, and every now and then my dad would send me something in the mail, like one of his old IDs that has the same name on it, or, you know, and he worked, um, he worked on, my grandpa worked on First Ave right downtown at the government building, but you'll appreciate this, Ross. Um, my grandfather, my dad, and myself all, all uh, had our 21st birthdays in a bar on first Ave called the nightlight and where this comes <laughs> really? in. Yeah. So we all three celebrated our birthdays, 21st birthdays at the same bar. And you'll appreciate this because it's the bar that has the train in the bar and river Phoenix filmed a movie there called the dog fight. I don't no know if you remember way. that movie. Yeah. 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 It's a really good movie. A bunch of guys have a, have a competition to see who can sleep with the ugliest girl, but it was river Phoenix. It was kind of an indie movie or if you, I don't know what you'd call it an independent film at the time, but you would. Really, yeah. Yeah. It was really it was cool. A eclectic old bar in downtown Seattle, but the history goes way back. It's not there anymore. The last time I was in Seattle, I went there and they, they've taken it out, but it had a train, like, you know, an old school train running through the bar. So you sit at the bar and it's one of those trains you'd have in your basement runs through the entire bar. But just cool history like that, you know, stuff you forget about. But yeah, we all three uh, had our 21st birthdays there and got shit faced. Not together, you know, but just, just stuff like that that you forget about the history you have with your parents. And, you know, I've had a lot of people, again, I'm switching gears here, but I've had a lot of people message me and say they don't get along with their, their dad or have issues and it's like man again fix your shit like put your pride and your ego aside and if you have issues with your dad or your mom or your family fucking fix it like family's important it really is like and this isn't this isn't a therapy show or me trying to act like you know a short fat white trash version of dr phil but you know like get with your family man fix your shit or friends or whatever life is is way too short and I've had a lot of conversations with Matt and Evan specifically. I've been around JT much, but and you, you know, talking on the phone, life is life is precious, and there's no guarantees about tomorrow. There's none. Even if you own companies and you're selling a million dollars worth of T-shirts or a billion dollars of coffee, like there's no guarantees. Like remove the fucking drama from your life, and find people that you want to be around and spend time with them, and tell them every fucking day. Like, I just spent two days with Matt, and, like, every day it's like, Matt, man, I fucking love you, dude. Like, you're a great fucking person. I'm a better person for having you in my life. Like, get rid of the stigma of being sensitive and tell people how you fucking feel about them and fix your shit. You know? Yeah, it's... That, it's that, it, that's what this has taught me. 
Yeah, and, and it sounds, you know, look, you hear it from people all the time and it's easy, but until you go through something like this, then you really have a chance to reflect on it and be like, oh, fuck. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, I wish I would have done that or this or, or, or said I love you. I, I, I'm in the habit, and I have been for years. Uh, I tell all my friends when we get off the phone, I love them. I tell all my family when we get off the phone that I love them. So no matter what happens to me, wherever I go, at least everybody was left with that one last phrase of, Hey, I love you. You know, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, now, whether or not I do or not is obviously not up to me. Um, but uh, I that ha- that has been instilled in me for probably the last like you know eight to ten years. Um, I lost a lot of people growing up. Not anything like crazy, like murder or anything, but like natural causes and things like that. Um, and uh, I, I got in that habit early on, and. I, 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 it, it, it makes me feel better about my friends and family that were at least like, hey, they know every single day. Um, and uh, I think you you probably feel the same as well. No, I, I 100% do. And, and, you know, the other one my dad was really good at, which if I could learn, if I learned anything from him that is benefiting me now, it's this. Like, my dad was one of those guys that if anybody started talking negative or drama about anything, he he immediately changed the subject and just had no fucking part in it. Or he'd get up and walk out of the room. Like, my dad, and if, man, the last 10 years of my life, I, I can't count the amount of hours I've spent talking about other people that don't fucking matter. And five years from now, I won't even remember their fucking name. And I'm not trying to be a cocky asshole, but... I think we go through life and we spend a lot of time talking about people and things that just don't fucking matter. Like for me, I'd rather be eating French toast with JT, you know, instead of sitting here talking about who's got what, who's doing what, who's copying my fucking hats or my company or who's copying black. Like it's irrelevant. None of this shit matters. It doesn't matter. These people don't fucking matter in your life. They won't matter five years from now or, or people that want shit from you. Like, yeah, I'm not trying to sound like Buddha right now, but man, I think a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about people and drama that don't fucking matter in your life in two or three years or five years from now. It won't matter, so it shouldn't matter now. Yeah, and, like, I, like, and I'll, like, say, like, I'll say this to your Buddha point. like uh, You're an unbelievably like introspective and thoughtful person. Um, so to the audience like who's listening to this, like, dude, that, that's just who you are as a person. So... Uh, you always, you know, talk to us about things like this. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a hard thing deciding about where you where you where to spend your time, where to spend your mental energy, uh, how to compartmentalize all of this shit. Because um, I, I do like I see your co- your company being copied a lot online now. Um, you know, a, a moment like yeah, this. It, it, is, is when it, you it, pro- probably, you know, look at things and say, fuck, I wish I wouldn't spend so much energy worrying about all this other stupid shit. No, because it, it doesn't matter. And, and, you know, the reason I'm introspective at this point in my life, Ross, is because, man, I have probably fucked up more stuff in my life than than the next 15 drinking bros have combined. Like I just have. I'm the kid that touched the stove. And, and instead of going, man, that was hot. I would look around and go, did that just happen? And I touch the stove again. Like. You know, it's just instead of going, oh, that was hot. Don't touch that. And I've I've talked to Evan about this before, and I might have even talked about it on the show. Like, you know, this I've messed up more shit in my life than 10 other people will and combined in their lifetimes. And I'm trying 
you know, something like my dad passing unexpectedly. And, and by the way, you know, again, I, I'm not, I don't mind airing our laundry, but you know, like my dad, we found out that he, he was really sick and he was sick for a long time and didn't tell anybody because that's the kind of guy he was like, and I don't know how many times I talked to my dad in a year and said, how are you? Have you been to a doctor? Have you, when was your last physical? And he would either give me an answer now, which I know is bullshit, or he would change the subject to how's Candace doing? How's your company doing? You know, how, how's things going? How are you doing? You know, are you guys, where are you at financially with your company? Is everything good? He would immediately change the subject. And that's another point I want to drive home as people's parents get older, man. Don't, don't take shit at face value. If you're worried about your fucking dad or your mom being sick, don't ask them if they've been to the doctor. Fly to their fucking house or drive there and make a doctor's appointment with them and go with them. You know, like, because I'm pretty sure... Anyway, I can't change anything, but, you know, my dad was real sick. He was going to die. And, and he didn't tell us that. He didn't want to be a burden to anybody. It's the type of guy he was. He didn't want anybody to worry about him. He didn't want us to come have to take him to doctor's appointments. He was really, really sick and, and had cancer and didn't tell anybody. And I can't change that. But, but I just urge people out there that are listening to this, man, like don't take certain things at face value. And that's one of them. If you're worried about your parents or a family member or a friend, and this goes across the board with with drinking problems, drug problems, suicide, whatever it is. Like, if you're worried about somebody, a phone call's not enough anymore. It's just not. Like, it's not in my opinion. Um, and that's just me talking, but a phone call's not enough anymore. It costs 200 to $500 to get on a plane and fly somewhere. Get on a plane and fly somewhere. Do you have any brothers and sisters? I do. I have uh, a brother and two sisters. What, what was their reaction? Uh, my brother was the one that actually found my dad. So um, that's been real rough. And my brother's the nicest guy in the world. Man, he's like Evan. His, pers- his personality is very similar to Evan's. He's just the nicest, most calm guy in the world. Never gets rattled, never gets upset, never, never yells at anybody, never gets pissed. So it's been really rough on him. Um, and my sisters, again, it's, it's... Nobody expected this, and we all, our dad, you know, our dad gave us everything we ever wanted. We never, we never went without. We never had to worry about our rent being paid. We never had to worry about food. We never had to worry about getting school supplies or if we wanted to play sports. Like, again, we weren't wealthy, but we never had to worry. We never had to worry about anything, and that was because my dad worked 100 hours a week. So, you know, again, everybody looks back on it, and... You go, man, yeah, I wish I would have done more stuff with my dad. I wish I would have gone fishing more, hunting more with my dad, but he was working all the time. But you look back on it now and go, the reason he was working all the time is because he didn't ever want his kids to go without food, without clothes, without the things they needed, without an education. Again, I fucked it up, and you know, I ended up going to college at 35 years old at Texas Christian University, but I could have gone anywhere I wanted if I wasn't such a shithead. You know, I could have... I could have gone to any college I wanted to and majored in anything I wanted to if I was smart and would have just graduated from high school. And my dad afforded me that opportunity and I pissed it away and found myself at boot camp. So, um, you know, it's, it's looking back on it. Is, is that a regret for you? I don't really regret much in life. Um, so no, I wouldn't change it. It's made me who I am now. And, and I think I appreciate things a lot more, whether it's the boots I'm wearing on my feet or the truck I drive. Like, I think I appreciate it more than 
a lot of the other people I grew up with that, you know, went to college and, and got the internship and got a job. And I think, I think I value money a little bit more than they do. And I think I value, you know, certain things and hard work more than they do. And I'm not better than them. They're not better than me. Like I'm not, but I, I don't regret that. I think going through those trials and tribulations, which I caused on my own by being a shithead, have made me appreciate things a lot more. Because every day that I skipped high school and every day that I wasn't in college and every day that I didn't pay attention was five more days of work and a $10 an hour job to get me where I am now. If that right. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, why, you know, why, but, do you, but, why do you think you were such a shithead? Because like I, I, it, it'll seem odd. It seems odd to me to hear it and it, it'll seem odd for the Drinking Bro audience to hear it simply because... I don't, I mean, you and Evan and Matt and like, I, I don't know a, a harder working, nicer, more humble person than you. It, it's super shocking to hear that you were a shithead growing up. Like, I, I didn't know that. Oh, I was, man. I didn't like school. Like, that, that's where it all came down to me. I didn't like school. I didn't like, I didn't like clicks. I didn't like, you know, I just, I didn't like school. School to me should have been pretty simple. Like, you know, you should just go to school and work and learn and then go home and you have, I didn't like, I didn't like everything that comes with school that all my friends and my, like Candace and I went to the same high school and Candace thrived. Like she loved going to school and having conversations with people and having a social life. And for me, I just didn't, I mean, school was great, but I didn't enjoy it. I didn't want to be at school. I would have much rather been walking in the woods with my dog looking for arrowheads or, again, shooting BB guns or fishing. Like, I just, I didn't want to be sitting in a classroom being told what to do. And I think that that probably is where it all comes down to is uh, I had a complex with authority figures. Like, I don't, and still to this day, you can ask Evan and Matt. I've worked for them on and off for the last year. I'm not very good at being told what to do. Um, and I don't mind saying that. You know, it doesn't, I just, I, I didn't like being told what to do. Right. Uh, yeah, and I didn't I looked, like clicks uh, uh, and I, I didn't like, you know, I didn't like, again, I didn't like clicks. I didn't like, you know, people trying to keep up with each other. I could have cared less what I wore to school. I could have cared less what car I drove to school. Like I just didn't, to me, it wasn't fun. And I grew up in South Kansas city and, and half my class was, or half my high school was, you know, farm and ranch kids. And the other half was really wealthy, well-to-do kids and, and everything in between. And it, uh, I just didn't enjoy it that much. Did you get Again, good I'm grades? Much, did you get good grades growing up? I didn't get good grades growing up because I didn't want to be in school. But subsequently, you know, I got out of the military and went to TCU and 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 had a three point nine GPA. Like I and that was at a wow. pre med. That was a pre med. You know, doing a pre med uh, pipeline. You know, a pre med school pipeline in biology and and physics and you name it. But I was also thirty five and realized what a gift it is to be able to go to school. And and some of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life could only come out of somebody's mouth that has a college education. Like I'm, I, I like working class America. Some of the stupidest people I've ever met in my life have five degrees because they just don't understand how America works. But going back to school at 35 and, and again, I talk, I talked to my dad a lot during that time and he was really proud that I went back to school and he was not a college guy. He just wanted to see me fix what he believed was stuff that I would regret kind of later on in life. So, you know, going to TCU and being in those classes with 18 and 20 year old super smart kids and being able to keep up with it was, was a bit of redemption for me. But, yeah. hu and a huge but, it's done me fucking zero with the businesses I own that are starting to be successful. 
spending a year with Evan and Matt and JT and fucking a lot of stuff up in business and learning about people and HR and, you know, cost of goods and key performance indicators that drive your business and networking and sales. None of that came from school. It's right. all come. It's all come from being around other guys going, hey, let's let's launch this. Let's do this. Let's design that and see if it works. Oh, fuck. It didn't work. OK, let's not do that again. So and I don't think Evan, Matt and I and JT, anything we've done at these companies has ever resulted from a college education. And I'm just throwing that out there. I could be wrong. You know, at some point, Black Rifles become such an animal is getting so big that they're going to have to hire specific people with specific educations and specific backgrounds but getting you know getting it to where they've got you know last year at 34 million dollars and this year at 60 has all come from just good old-fashioned hard work and a lot of common sense yeah it's one of those things college to me uh, looking back on it i i used to say that all the time by the way i used to say the exact same thing you did i found later on in life and in business there is an element of looking back at college where I'm like, all right, the the competitiveness, the, you know, the the, not the drive, but you know, to to try to get good grades, to try to succeed, that still kind of carries over into your business life, where, you know, you're trying to do better than other people. It's based on a, a lot of it's based on numbers, um, and uh, there is a lot of competition out there. You find that in the college classroom and. I think later on in life, it'll it'll carry over a little more. Um, I, at least it did for me in particular. But um, yeah, and don't, and don't get and don't get me wrong, Ross. The, the military and college are the same in the aspect that they do teach you timelines and deadlines and how to manage your time. I think just my time at TCU, because I, again, I came from the army and it was pretty regimented. But man, being in you know college physics and college you know biology on a pre med path. There's no, there's no second chances. It was your, your assignments and your stuff is done on these days. Here's when you're taking your finals. You, you're on your own. I think that, that's, that's actually helped me a lot with managing my time and deadlines with, with business. But, um, but I think I get more work ethic from watching my dad and the guys that he worked with growing up. You know, circling back to my dad, like watching those guys just get shit done that didn't have college educations. Because most of the guys that he worked with didn't. It was just pure hard work. And the other one that my dad, you know, that was huge on is no matter how high he got in the company he worked for at Western Auto, man, the guy never forgot a mechanic's name at Western Auto. He never forgot a store manager, assistant manager. I would drive all over the country with my dad during the summer when I was off. He would go to, you know, sales meetings in, in Salina, Kansas and the middle of Omaha, Nebraska to all these stores and stuff. And he didn't have stuff written down. He just showed up and he remembered people's names from stores that he hadn't been to for a year. And that, like that's that, amazing. That, that, that kind of stuff. And you see it again. I watch it at Black Rifle because Evan and Matt are the same way. Like they're just Evan specifically. They just... You know, that kind of stuff can't be taught unless it's taught when you're a kid and it's ingrained in your life. And you can see it in Evan's dad. I saw it in my dad. Like, Evan's dad's the same way. The guy, again, I can't stress enough, all you drinking bros, if you guys ever come by the Salt Lake City or the other buildings or offices or stores that they're, they're opening now, 
ask if Ed is there because Ed's going to be bouncing around all these places. If you ever get a chance to eat to uh, to meet Ed, you'll get it within two minutes. You'll go, God, and now I see what Bert's talking about. Now I know Evan. Now I know why Evan's going to have a billion dollar coffee company. And it's not about money, and it's not about education. It's about hard work, treating people right, and having common sense. Like that's it. Exactly. Yeah, I get a chance to meet him. He's he's an awesome dude. Um, and and like you said, he's always there. Like that's not a you know, that's no. not like a hey, I'm just coming to visit my son for a couple minutes at the office. Like he's always there, working on something, helping out. Um, awesome oh, guy. Man, he's done everything, like from setting up the roaster, you know, the the main roaster at, at and he's 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 in the middle of setting up another monster roaster that roasts a hundred times what the one in Salt Lake does. They're opening one up in Nashville that's just a beast and. Ed is literally moving down there to open it up and get it up and running. And it's, it's, and then he's going to move to Texas and then he's going to move elsewhere to help his son's company. And, you know, this is kind of a, you know, this was, if you will, it's a father son episode and man, I can't stress it enough. You know, if you can have your father part of your life or have that relationship with your father or spend more time golfing, fishing, just sitting on a back porch on a rocking chair, talking to your old man, do it. There's no guarantees tomorrow's going to be here. None. And like I said, I'll say it again. I'd give up my entire fucking bank account, my fancy F-350 truck, my companies. I'll go work for $10 an hour at Home Depot moving lumber around if I could have one more fucking week with my dad. Just one. Just one week with my dad where I didn't talk about any drama or bullshit or money. Just talked about life. Just one week. What was your fondest memory of your father growing up? Oddly enough, and people are going to laugh at this because I look like I just got out of prison all the time, but my dad, as he moved up, he, you know, it was the 80s, and he was working at a corporation, he learned how to play golf, and he got really good at golf. So that's the only time I could spend with my dad. You know, every Saturday and Sunday, he played golf with all his buddies, and I had to learn how to play golf. And I ended up, at one point, I was a scratch golfer and was, you know, playing you know, playing every chance I could there for a while. I even stopped hanging out with anybody else in high school for about a year and a half, and it was my dad and I every night would go hit balls at the driving range. We'd play golf on the weekends, and I was the last. If you asked anybody I went to high school with who would become a good golfer, I'd be the last fucking person out of a class of 900 people that somebody would say, that guy's going to play golf. Again, they'd probably say I'd be, you know, a tattoo artist or in prison somewhere. But I started playing golf with my dad and got, you know, golf is a phenomenal game. It's the hardest game in the world. I know it's a little bit foo-foo-y and there's a bunch of bullshit and, you know, it's You know what? It's not, man. It, it, it's, a, it's a big mental game, too. Like It is. It's the hardest. I mean, you're putting a two-inch ball in a four-inch cup from, you know, a thousand yards. It's just, it, it's one of those things. It's, it's a tough game and, and it's one of those games where you can compete with other people. And that's what it became for my dad and I. And I had a relationship with my dad. Like, I called my dad on the phone up until, you know, the day he died, and it was like, hey, dickhead, hey, dickhead, how you doing? You know, we had that relationship, and none of my other siblings did, and and we got that. We played golf, and that was our thing. So I know, it, again, it sounds kind of funny, but that was our deal, and we played golf. You know, we'd go play 36 holes every, every Saturday and Sunday, and then, uh, you know, we'd try and hit balls and stuff when we could, but you know, golf, it became a competitive thing. And that's why we had so much fun. It wasn't about being on a golf course and and drinking, you know, iced tea and lemonade and, and wearing fancy pants and, you know, hanging around a bunch of rich white people. 
it was about competition. Like every fucking hole, everything we did, we bet each other. And it was, you know, when I started making money, I was only making 10 or 12 bucks an hour. But, you know, so losing 100 bucks to my dad on a Saturday and it wasn't like, oh, hey, you lost 100 bucks. You only make 10 bucks an hour. You don't have to pay me. It was like before we even got in the car to go home, give me my fucking money. You know, <laughs> and it was who won out of you two most most of the time. He beat me for a long time for several years, and then and then I became a better golfer than him, and and he never never caught up to me after that. And it was you know still to this day, if he was here, I'd probably whip his butt. But <laughs> um, but that's another thing, and you know it's that competition we just always had it, whether it was shooting tin cans in the backyard with BB guns or playing golf or you know riding go karts at Lake of the Ozarks or whatever. Like we, I just. Man, my dad, that's that that's we had that competitive spirit. It was like, hey, even if it was him and I and twenty other people around, he would look at me and go, I'm gonna whoop your ass. And he'd be like, No, I'm gonna whoop your ass, old man. That's like, great. You're old and you're fat and you're slow and I'm about to beat you. So And that was <laughs> you know, just that kind of relationship. So that, that that's my fondest memory with him was was fishing and golfing and, and shooting, you know, even like I said, using Red Rider Daisy, Red Rider BB guns and shooting bottles and cans in the backyard it, it was super competitive and that's my best memory with him because I think it also it made me who I am today you you mentioned earlier um that your brother and sister weren't as close to them to, to your father why why was that no I think they were close to my dad they're just different personalities and I think anybody that's got you know two I'd say probably three or more siblings in their family you know there's just when you have three, four, five, ten kids, you know, we grew up in Kansas City, so we had a lot of Catholic friends and, and that, you know, that had ten siblings, and when you get to a point and you have, you know, more than two, three siblings, there's just, you, you go through these relationships, and I, and you know, ther- you know, psychologists and people study that stuff, but, you know, the oldest one has a similar personality in every family. If you took ten families in America with four kids, the personalities are all the same, and you know, I was the baby, so I did get babied. You know, my mom paid more attention to me. I spent more time with my parents because my older brothers and older brother and sisters, you know, I was the last kid, so they were worried less about me bumping my head in the house and more about just spending time with me or, you know, doing stuff with me, if that makes sense. You know, the first kid, they're worried about everything and protecting them and this, that, and the other thing, and then by the time you get to four kids or more, it's like, man, you can run around the house with bottle rockets and, 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 you know, Roman candles and right. shooting them, at, shooting them at the dogs. And it's like, Oh, that's spurt. You know, that's the youngest, <laughs> that's our, that's our little one. So I just think I had a different relationship. My relationship was purely, you know, about relationship and personality and not about, you know, raising kids. Do they have kids? If, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Did, did your, bro- do, you, do your siblings have children? They do. I've got one of my sisters has two kids and my brother's got a little one that's uh, about four years, five years old now. Uh, Did did your father ever ask you why why you and Candace decided not to have kids? Yeah, he asked me a few times. But for me, man, I'm just Candace has a daughter um, who's 24. She plays soccer down in Texas. She's finishing her last year of school. But uh, I just man, I've never and I, I don't know how. 
I enjoy spending time like when Evan's daughter comes around or my, you know, I've got 20 good friends that have kids and I like spending time with their kids. I just, man, I'm not a, I don't, I don't have any regrets for not having kids and I don't, I'm just not a kid guy. Gotcha. If that, if that makes sense, I don't want to sound like I'm some cold, heartless ass. No, 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 not at all. I, I always, I just, I, I always want. Yeah, I always I'm wonder out of yeah, out of curiosity. I, I always wonder. That's why I asked the question: Is what uh, your parents said about that? What your father said about that, and why? Um, no, he he he. Get, my dad got it, and and you know, I I I traveled all over the place, kayaking and and working at outdoor stores, and you know, kind of being a no bad before I even joined the army. I always lived somewhere different. The next year, I was in Seattle and Boulder, Colorado, and all these outdoor towns doing you know kayaking, climbing. Well, I was kind of a shitty climber, but, you know, kayaking and, and spending time outdoors, hunting, hiking, I just never, you know, I thought about it and have always had the opportunity to, I'm just not a kid guy. And I, you know, I don't know, again, people are probably listening to me going, oh, you're, you're mean son of a bitch. Don't like kids. It's not that I really enjoy being around kids, especially my buddy's kids. Um, JT's little kiddos that come in when his girls come up to black rifle and get on the four wheeler and stuff. They're hilarious. I love being around kids, but I, I just don't think I'm geared to handle the, the hard part of being a parent, not just the fun stuff or riding around on four wheelers or playing tag or, you know, throwing, throwing balls at each other or doing stupid stuff. Like, I just don't think I'm engineered or geared for the, for the tough stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, cause you know, growing up, I remember my, my grandparents were old school and they would be like, Oh, when are you going to get married and have, you know, kids and, and everything else. And, uh, it's usually a big topic of conversation amongst family in particular, you know, parents or grandparents. And, uh, I was just curious as, uh, as to what your, your father thought about that or if, um, you know, you ever said, well, no, why, he, why you're not doing he, it? He, he, he asked him, my mom still asked me and it's, you know, it's like, and I guess to throw it out there, it's, I'm, I'm selfish. You know, I want to, I want a cabin on, you know, a thousand acres in, in the middle of Alaska that you can only access by a float plane. I want a place in Montana that's got cattle on it that, you know, has a river on the property, nothing fancy, but stuff that you got to make that choice. Do I want to pay for college educations and cars and deal with, you know, kids for 18 years or do I, you know, I guess, I guess what it comes down to, if I have to be honest about it, is I'm just selfish that way. I would rather, I have things I want to do on this planet before I leave and, and having kids right now is not one of them. You know, it's yeah. Just- and again, it's not a huge deal. Like some people look at it as a huge deal. I don't. Um, one of the celebrities we had on in one of those LA episodes had asked me a few years ago about, you know, having kids versus not having kids. And they, and they brought up the topic of like, man, selfishly, I just want to focus on my career and all that other stuff. And I was like, you know, it's, it depends on the individual. Like, I, look, there's times where you're not missing anything. There's times where you are missing something. But, uh, uh, you know, it's up to that person. Yeah, um, I, I, and I, I definitely do. The one, the one that gets me, you know, I played baseball growing up, and my dad was a really good baseball player. He was, you know, an all-state baseball player in high school. And he, you know, who knows what would have happened to him if he didn't have four kids by the time he was 25. He, he was a really, really good baseball player. And I got his athletics and, you know, on my best day was an average baseball player, but I enjoyed it. So there are, there are times when I'm like, you know, Matt and I were driving with Noel and Candace in, in Springfield, Illinois yesterday. And we drove by, you know, a baseball field and they were playing, you know, club teams are playing baseball. And it does hit me like, God, man, some of my best moments were, were playing catch with my dad or, or having my, you know, going to big games and, and playing on three different baseball teams. And so I do, I do go through that. 
Those are some gotcha. of the best moments. You asked, you know, I said about golf, but that's the other thing is, you know, just playing baseball with my dad and playing catch in, in, in our driveway and working on baseball and going to the, you know, getting a batting cage that we had in our backyard and just spending hours out there learning how to hit the ball right and hold the bat right and, you know, body mechanics and, and sports. You know, I, that was a huge, my dad and I had a huge, and I know you're like that too. You're a huge sports guy. Yeah. Like my dad and I had a huge, huge sports a connection on sports across the board. You know, we went to every single Kansas City Royals game, you know, in, in 85. We went to the World Series. My dad, mom and dad took us out of school to go to the I-70 series. We went to every game between Kansas City and and St. Louis. And then subsequently, my dad and my brother and I went to every single game in 2015 when the Royals won again to the series games. And it's like... You know, that kind of stuff, you can only share that bond with kids. Like, you, you, I can be a sports fan now, but it would be great to have kids and, and share that stuff together. I really love Little League football, baseball. Like, that's America to me. Like, that that right there doesn't get more American than, than sports with kids in America. It just doesn't. It's so pure. There's no money involved. There's no bullshit involved. And I had that with my dad. It was just for the love of the game. Not to steal a Kevin, you know, not to steal a, a, a cliche, cheesy line, but that's what it was. It was, it was for the love of baseball. And, I, and you I, had to have been psyched that the Royals won one last championship before he passed. Yeah, that was a big deal. And my brother, even after that, the last few years, my brothers had Chiefs and Royals season tickets. We've had them for 35 years. You know, you could buy them back in the 80s. You could buy season tickets for a year for 500 bucks. And, you know, my brothers kept him for a long time, so he and my my dad got to go see the Chiefs and Royals. They went to every Chiefs game the last few years, even when it was twenty degrees outside. My dad's, you know, so that was great. Yeah, you, know, you can't. That's awesome. Again. What What was your father's biggest biggest accomplishment? My dad's. Yeah. Uh, did you ever ask him that question? Being being a business owner yourself, the same as as him. Did you ever say, "Hey, Dad, what was your biggest accomplishment?" Yeah, I think there's no doubt about it that his biggest accomplishment was the position he achieved at the company he was at. You know, again, to, to work, it's not like, you know, it's not like me right now, you know, and he was blown away by it. Like, how many hats and T-shirts and bags of coffee are you selling? He couldn't understand it. And he's like, and you just started this 18 months ago or two years ago when I would talk to him about it. And it just wasn't, the, the internet wasn't around then. So like his journey from a stock boy at Sears to executive vice president of a of an auto company was a 30-year journey with with no breaks in between like it wasn't like hey I'm going to go I'm going to go over here and work on a ranch for a couple of years because I want to see what it's like to try and be a cowboy it was 30 years of corporate the same corporation over and over and over again with new leadership and new rules and this ups and downs but so I think that was definitely his biggest accomplishment and you know looking through the stuff at his house after he passed we were in Kansas City and you know he set up a NASCAR team with Daryl Waltrip with Western Auto he was in charge of setting up that NASCAR team really and des designing that NASCAR he threw out the first pitch at the World Series or at the I'm sorry at the Royals you know at the Royals game a few times because Western Auto was in Kansas City you know that kind of stuff looking through these photos and you know I know those were some of his biggest accomplishments and for him again it wasn't about money it was about work and for him, when I would talk to him about work, 
you know, it always switched gears from titles and money and positions to, well, we did this for 5,000 employees or we did this or when I was in charge, we we were able to get this pension for all of our mechanics or this, you know, this and like he just those were more important to him that he was able to take care of people. And, it, it you know, and it's stuff that. I had a better relationship because I played golf with all these guys and spent more time with my dad than my siblings. But I was, you know, I, I ended up calling after he passed his, you know, his five, five, six best friends through life. And they all ended up being multi-hour phone conversations about the things my dad had did. And it was all stuff like that. Like, Bert, your dad almost got fired because he told the, the chairman of the board at Western Auto to fuck off because he was about to take money you know, about to remove money with the Sears deal that was going to cost people a lot of, you know, pension people a lot of, you know, at the bottom of the, you know, the bottom, you know, your lower level employees were about to get fucked. And it's like that kind of stuff when you hear that stuff about your dad and it's, it's stuff that I'd never heard before. It's like, man, God, you, I wish I had, I wish I had a few more minutes with this guy to, to hear yeah, stories l- like that. L- let me ask you, was that voluntary that you called his friends or did they call you? No, I called them. Um, I, of, I really of, love that, by the way. I've never, I, I don't believe that I've ever heard that from somebody. I really love the fact that you did that. How amazing was that experience? Uh, it was great. And, and, you know, one of them I'm going to play golf with in Florida here in a few weeks. And the other one I'm going to meet next week in Montana to go fly fishing. Um, and these are guys that my dad, you know, went to high school with. Or, you know, the, the guy I'm going to play, Greg, in, in Florida that I'm going to play golf with, he and my dad worked at Western Auto together for 28 years. And, you know, and the other one is hearing guys like this say, Bert, and these guys were stoic. These are like 1970s, 1980s, you know, auto industry guys that I I don't remember them ever having emotion. And it's funny. One of them, the guy's name is Greg. And I'm telling a story, you know, the first time I met him, I'm sitting in my dad's office in downtown Kansas City. And I must have been, God, I must have been seven or eight years old at the time. And I was sitting on a couch and he came in and to shake my hand and I sat down. I was still sitting on the couch and he squeezed my hand so hard and stood up and pulled me right into his chest and was right in my face. And the guy was like six, five and I'm like a seven year old kid and he's squeezing my hand so bad that he hurt. And he said, if a man, this is America. If a man ever goes to shake your hand, you stand up and shake your shake his hand. And I wanted to cry, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm a kid and I'm like, oh shit, I just fucked up. And I wanted to cry and I look over at my dad and my dad just smiling and shaking his head and Greg left the room. My dad was like, stand up to shake a man's hand. This is America. You know, take your hat off when you greet women, that kind of stuff. So these guys are stoic guys. So to hear them talk about my dad and say, Bert, I love your dad. Like, and Greg said it. And I've never heard the guy say the word love, but he's like, man, I love your dad. Like, I loved your dad like no other man. Your dad and I worked together for 28 years. My kids and you guys grew up together. Our wives were best friends. Your dad did more good stuff and put himself last every time with the company. You know, to hear that stuff, and I don't think this is somebody trying to make me feel better about my dad. I think they're true stories, but to hear that about your dad is, man, it's worth its weight in gold. Yeah. You can't can't put a price on, on hearing stuff like that. Oh, no, not at all. And, like, it's amazing because, you know, to me, I – I didn't know many of my father's friends, so I didn't have that opportunity to call them or speak with them afterwards. I, I wish I would have. So the fact that you got to do that was was pretty pretty amazing. Um, uh, yeah, and I'm gonna try and, and try and spend time with these guys. Like again, 
man, history matters. And, and you guys see our company and you, and you see Black Rifle and we talk about American history all the time. We talk about history, but the people around us right now are making history. And, and again, I'm not, I'm, I'm, my brain's kind of going all over the place because I don't talk about stuff like this very often, but man, enjoy the history around you and don't get caught up in bullshit. Like if, if, if anything of this episode can resonate with people, it's, it doesn't matter how much fucking money you have. It doesn't ha- matter how good looking you are. It doesn't matter what your fucking Instagram likes are. It doesn't matter the material things you have in your life. And I know this sounds cheesy, but fucking find what makes you happy and do it and spend time with people that, that don't want anything from you, don't need anything from you, that just want to be your friend and be around you and spend time with them because tomorrow is not guaranteed. It's not. No, it, it really isn't. And um, I, look, I appreciate you doing this episode today. Before you came on, uh, we had talked, and obviously your father is going to be drinking bro of the week. I wanted to ask you personally, to somebody who had never met your father, how would you sum him up as as the drinking bro of the week and, and what he meant to you? The best way that I can sum it up is looking back on this over the last couple of weeks, I'm going to try and take on all of his good qualities. He, he was just a good human being. Like again, he would have given anybody the shirt off his back tomorrow, today, whatever you needed, he would help anybody. And, and man, I, I got a reputation around here and, and everywhere else I've ever worked of being kind of an asshole. And man, I'm trying to change that. And, and this helped me. And that's, you know, that, you know, that, that to me wraps up my, who my dad was. He was never an asshole to anybody. He never tried to look tough. He never lied or embellished anything. He never tried to look better. Like my dad drove the same beat up. The guy was making a lot of money for a salary, but he had four kids. He would have rather us have, you know, a nice house than to have a nice car. And he would, you know, he drove a Pontiac. I don't even remember what it's a Pontiac Grand Prix SSE or something. He drove this shitty Pontiac car for ever for like 10 years and he could have bought at the time he probably could have bought any car in America but it just didn't matter to him like it just he didn't care what anybody saw him drive up to work and he didn't care he just got out of the car and he treated everybody throughout the day like a human being whether he was the CEO of the company or a stock boy and I think that to me there's not enough of that anymore in America. Everybody's in a race. Everybody's trying to look good. Everybody's trying to impress everybody else. And it's just not everybody, but it seems like that's the theme right now. And I, I'm really bad at it. Like I, I'm really bad at it and I'm trying to get better at it. So that kind of wraps it up for me on my dad. Awesome. Just trying to be more like, more like him. Awesome. Well, hey, I, Bert, I appreciate you taking, uh, you know, an hour out of your Sunday and sitting down with us. Um, Again, I know you don't open up typically about things like this, but uh, we we do get this question so often into uh, into the Drinking Bros podcast page on uh, on Facebook. And uh, I love you, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, I love you too, Ross. The the and lastly, real quick, the Drinking Bros man, all you guys and girls that messaged and you know when I posted messaged about my dad, like. Man, you guys are great fucking people in this community. Yeah, you guys are a bunch of weirdos, but. Man, what a good group of people, and I can't thank you guys enough for letting me be a part of this and for supporting Black Rifle and Bison Union and all the other companies that that are part of Drinking Bros. You guys are fucking great. I love all you guys. Thank you so much. 
All right. And uh, yeah, again, thank you for your for your Sunday. Um, hug your fathers, everyone. Uh, sit down with your parents. Try to take some time out of your day and uh, let them know how much you love them. For Burt Kuntz, I am Ross Patterson. We are the Drinking Bros. Uh, 